Welcome to Lacrosse Recruiting 101, where the biggest names in lacrosse share their inside views and expertise. Now, your host, Luke Cometti. In this episode of the podcast, I talk with Corey Bolkin, assistant coach for University of Hartford Men's Lacrosse. This 2020 season was Corey's third with the Hawks after coaching at Ohio State University for a season, University of Virginia for two seasons, Belmont Abbey College for one season, and Washington College for two seasons. In college, Corey played at LeMoyne, where he was the Division II Specialty Player of the Year as a senior in 2011 and led the NCAA in faceoff win percentage at 69.2%. He was also named LeMoyne's Mal Athlete of the Year and garnered team MVP honors that season. He was a two-time All-American, earning first-team accolades as a senior and second-team as a junior. He also helped lead the Dolphins to three consecutive NCAA Division II National Championship games. Post-college, Corey played for both the Charlotte Hounds and the New York Lizards in the Major Lacrosse League. During the podcast, Corey and I jump right into the face-off rule changes proposed by the NCAA by first explaining what those changes are, what it may look like if the rules are passed, and how it will affect the college game. We also talk about what current face-off players should be focused on this summer and how to best adapt to these potential new rules. We then discuss some of the other proposed rule changes in the college game, what college coaches are looking for in a highlight film, how to approach a Zoom call with a coach, and plenty more. If I miss something or there is something you'd like to hear on the next podcast, then please email us at questions at lacrosserecruiting101.com or tweet at our Twitter handle at laxrecruit101. Thanks for tuning in. Corey Bulkin, assistant coach, University of Hartford Men's Lacrosse, Thanks for coming on the podcast, man. Thanks for having me, Luke. Absolutely. I'm excited to have you here. We're going to hop right into it with the new proposed face-off rule changes. And I am very excited to have you on to get your take because you are not only an excellent face-off midfielder through college, played in the MLL, but now you're a college coach, right? And I think you may have a little more of an, an unbiased opinion on the matter. And for those listeners out there who are unaware or not sure exactly what the rule changes are, it seems like the two main things that are coming out of it is that a face-off, when you you see a face-off, the guys will no longer be able to be on a knee. They need to be standing up. And then also, when you're holding your stick, you no longer can have a motorcycle grip, which means both palms down towards the ground, you're going to need to flip one of your hands up to make it what they call a neutral grip. And I guess my first question for you is, why is this such a big rule change? You know, I think the biggest thing is that it's just such a stark uh, difference from how the vast majority of face-off men have been taking face-offs the last seven, eight years. Uh, You know, when I was graduating from college in 2011, uh, you just started to see guys start kind of going knee down, and it still wasn't um, super prevalent for the next couple of years, but you started to see the change. And then, you know, really, um, 
I think it was kind of the year that uh, Duke won a national championship with Brennan Fowler. Um, he is just dominant in that in that game. Um, you know, he he kind of took it over playing knee down, and uh, then that's just kind of when the face-off position, I feel like, kind of exploded in that way. Um, so to change kind of how all these kids have been training, you see a lot of, you know, um, kind of kids, and and other you know faceoffs kind of people people who are you know well versed in faceoffs that you know they don't necessarily like to change they don't see uh, the value in it um, I kind of kind of see both sides uh, given the fact that I was kind of the, the way I faced off was what they're proposing everybody has to do now so I I have an yeah. affinity towards it um, you know I think. It's, you know, a lot of kids have put a lot of time into training a certain way, but also I think that the rule changes are going to make for more interesting, you know, you're going to see more action out of the, you know, directly out of a faceoff. You're going to see less tie-ups. I think you're going to see more uh, athletic midfielders taking faceoffs, maybe adding it to their game uh, as opposed to somebody just dedicating, you know, their entire, I mean, all their energy and focus into one position of just facing off. Um, you know, that wasn't something that I uh, loved to do. Uh, you know, facing off was a, something I really enjoyed, but it wasn't, you know, all I wanted to do on a lacrosse field. And I just wish more guys were like that. I think, you know, becoming more of a dangerous lacrosse player who can face off is, is how the game should be. Yeah, you're right. It has became or become such a specialized position. And, you know, you mentioned guys started to take a knee kind of as Brennan Fowler won that national championship with Duke. You know, I was pretty close to that. I was on the opposite team and it was, it was tough because, you know, I think we were pretty evenly matched teams and he won something like 22 out of 25 faceoffs or 23 out of 25 faceoffs. And for, it seemed like for the whole second quarter, you know, our first midfield line wasn't even on the field. Right. And, you know, I know I don't want to sound biased because I was on the losing end. I've had now coach high school and I've had excellent faceoff guys come in and we've won, you know, 90 something percent in games. It just seems like anyone who can win or have that high of a percentage of winning in the way they affect the game is almost unfair. And so, you know, I think that's what's kind of spawned these these changes and they've made slight changes, you know, to try to make it more 50 50. But this seems like a big one right now. They're both standing up. There's going to be no tie-ups. You know, you can't get down low, and it's kind of making it a little less specialized, right? It seems like it would be more of a quick swipe. I mean, what are your thoughts on how it will look now if these changes go through? Yeah, um, I, I think, you know, it, there's going to be plenty of, you know, um, technical, um, you know, uh, th- there's going to be plenty of a technical side of this. Uh, when I was facing off, you know, it, there was plenty of things you could do. I still clamp. Um, it wasn't like this big, heavy clamp that these Moto Grip guys have. Uh, I had the ability to kind of direct the ball in any way, um, but you know, I was never one of those guys that carried the ball in the back of my stick. That's not a thing anymore. I think a lot of the rule changes that have led up to this point for the faceoffs are going to make for uh, an exciting play. Still, it's going to allow good faceoff guys to still be dominant. I think that's part of why people have a problem with this they think like they're not changing it because guys are dominant i think they just they don't see that 
I, I, I can't stand like a 30 second, 45 second face off. It's just, I yeah. don't think that that's what lacrosse is all about. Like we want the ball out. We want to play. And I think it's a great part of the game, but too often it's become kind of the, the thing that, you know, we're wasting time at the X, you know, and, um, uh, my thing is that, you know, there's plenty of, uh, gamesmanship in it still. I think the way it's refereed now, like when I was ref or when I was playing very weird cadences and, um, you know, a lot of cheating going on, they've really gotten that out of the game. And I think now, um, as long as those, kind of those kind of mechanics for repping the face-off stay intact, you're going to get like really clean face-offs. The ball is going to get out quick. You know, there's going to be like three on three face-offs, but there's also going to be those guys that can win a face-off for themselves and, and take it to the rack on a fast break. It's just like that. There's always going to be a guy that has a knack for doing that. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and there's going to be a guy that goes 80% in a game and it's going to be frustrating for the other team. But, you know, I think when it comes to, a, a situation like that, that guy's going to have to pick up a ground ball going full speed with wings crashing in on him. And I think that's going to test the athletic ability, the lacrosse ability of that guy taking a face off a little bit more. Absolutely. And if I'm a high school face off midfielder right now, who's maybe been really specializing in face offs in the current face off rules, you know, if they're whether even younger high school or kind of at the recruiting age, what would be your advice right now with these proposed rule changes? I mean, what should they be focusing on at this point? Yeah, uh, so they're in a weird position because they might not change the rules for high school right away, right? So, um, you know, I would practice the standing neutral grip. I would assume uh, most of the events you're going to go to, especially in the summer are going to try to mimic the college rules as closely as possible. Um, That's kind of what they've done in the past. So, you know, honestly, if you're going to an event and you're saying, like, I just want to go win every face-off no matter what, and I'm going to go knee down because that's what I'm most comfortable with, I'm not sure that's giving you the best chance anymore. And, And we still don't know for sure if these rules are going through, but I'd like to see kids out there trying it, you know. It says to me that you're open to changing and you're, you know, you, you believe that you're capable of, of making an adjustment like that. And it is a big one, but also at the end of the day, it's still trying to win a face off, you know? So m- my thing would be practice both still, because, you know, you, you want to stay sharp if these rules don't go through. Um, but, you know, I, I would say that the kids out there that are very vocal about not liking the rules, that's fine. You cannot like it, but at the end of the day, this could be a reality. You should be saying, you know, you know, welcoming the challenge and, and trying to grow as a lacrosse player. And, and that's, you know, if you're not looking to get better that way, then, then I'm not sure that um, playing at a high level of lacrosse is going to be right for you. Yep. And down here in Texas high school lacrosse, we do play NCAA rules, but we tend to be a couple years behind the current right. NCAA rules. So, It'll be interesting if these rules do go through, you know, in college across when we will get them, when players will start making that transition. As you said, you recommend trying both, right? Kind of embracing the challenge. And I, I would also think as a face-off guy, you know, this, I, I always preach this even before these proposed changes, 
you want to develop more parts of your game anyway, right? The less of a liability you are out in the field, you know, the more likely a coach is going to put you in, right? Can you get in and play defense if you get stuck on defense? Are you able to push transition as an offensive player and potentially score or make an assist or make an offensive play? I mean, I just think these now are even more important because the better, you know, if you're able to give them an advantage on a faceoff, but then able to play good defense, play good offense, you're going to catch a coach like, you know, yourself, you're going to catch their eye. Am I correct? Absolutely. Uh, and I, I've said this to a ton of different people, and it's something I really believe. I will take a face-off guy who's capable of winning 50% in a game that is dangerous with the ball and a stick, that can, play, that can give you a shift on defense after he loses one, um, so that his coach doesn't have to coach around his inability as a lacrosse player. Does that make sense? So, yeah. Uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, if you have a 50% guy, you know, he's going to give you a shot at every single faceoff and a 70% guy, but he can't catch and pass or, you know, any, or if you get stuck on defense, you're almost giving up a goal no matter what. Who's really more valuable? Um, you know, cause like, I just think there's hidden wins and losses in, in these faceoff stats. And, you know, there's, there's guys that can convert the ball to, to their offense every single time, you know, like guys like Peter Erland, fantastic athlete, very good lacrosse player, Trevor Betsy, those kind of guys, same thing. You know, everybody would love to have one of those guys. Don't get me wrong. And, but what I find most impressive about those guys is not just their faceoff acumen. It's, it's the fact that when they get the ball in their stick, it gets to their offense, you know, a hundred percent of the time, you know, 90 to a hundred percent of the time uh, of their faceoff wins. Yeah. And I think that's, that's so much more valuable than a guy who's running off the field saying, well, well, I won the faceoff, but you know, uh, my six screwed up, so I can't throw and you know, whatever I did my job. So, um, I, I just would, I would stress that to every young faceoff that I get to interact with. Um, it's so much less about your stats. It's all about, you know, how many times can you get the ball to our offense? How, how much, how many possessions can you save our defense from having to, to play? So, yeah. Um, 50% face-off guy in my mind who is a, a, a very strong lacrosse player, I feel is, is far more valuable than a 70% face-off guy who's got no interest in developing other parts of this game. Yeah, that's a great point. Another proposed rule change is restricted... Well, the goal mouth area is restricted for offensive players, so that's going to be a portion inside the crease that player offensive players if they end up in for whatever reason it will cancel out the goal um i guess i'm wondering your thoughts on that it seems like there's always been you know people have been on both sides of the crease dive whether they like it or they don't this maybe is trying to help that and make it make it easier for officials because a lot of it is kind of a up to their discretion a judgment call which is very tough especially in the middle of a game what are your thoughts on this rule change? Yeah, I, I don't envy the refs, uh, you know, going back the last 10 years in coaching. Uh, I don't envy their uh, job in terms of having to, to judge any goal around the crease, whether it was a push or a dive. Even now, um, we have this ability to, to muddy the waters when it comes to that aspect of the game, you know, when we're trying to make rules. Um, so I... 
even this past year with the dive and, and the, the snow cone and college across, um, you know, inevitably at, at some point during every game, you've got both sidelines with their palms up. Like, how is, how is this happening? And um, I'm not sure that the new rule, like, there's just going to be unintended consequences uh, for everything, you know, and we yeah. can only try to adjust from there. And um, I, I personally like the idea of the dive, um, but it, it is difficult to kind of look at, see into the future and understand um, what we're all going to be frustrated by uh, in terms of how these refs have to officiate it. It's, it's a difficult job. Um, I, I don't envy them, like I said, um, and I, I've tried to um, temper expectations in terms of what they see. And, you know, obviously everybody's a little biased when things, you know, exciting plays happen around the crease, whether it's on offense or defense. And you're, you're always a little biased towards, you know, your team having made the play or not. And it's uh, one of those things, it, it, you know, I don't know that we needed to tinker with it as much as we have, but also I see the, you know, they, they want to prevent injuries, but also they want an exciting play back in the game of lacrosse. You know, they, they want to, they want to allow kids to dive, but I, I don't know that, I don't know that it's actually feasible to dive at this point with how many restrictions and yeah. kind of the, the, the murky gray, gray area of, you know, what you're actually allowed to do still. We're not even clear on it, you know, if, if I'm being honest. So we haven't had it explained to us. Um, and again, still another thing that hasn't really been ruled on yet. And, you know, it's not a hundred percent kind of in the game for sure. I just, one interesting part from this proposed rule change that I got from a U.S. lacrosse article explaining it, it says if an offensive player enters the goal mouth area due to contact with a defender, any goal scored would be taken away, but the defender could still be called for a penalty. That seems interesting because it sounds like at that point, if an offensive player kind of has an advantage, you know, making that move maybe near side towards the crease, as a defender, you're just going to want to get him in that goal mouth area because even if you do get a penalty, you're still saving a goal even if he scores. How do you think that'll work out if this ends up going through? Yeah, it, it was kind of already officiated like that. So my confusion is maybe I just haven't educated myself enough on this, you know, rule change is that that would happen. I guess they didn't take the goal off the board would be the biggest. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's the biggest. Now they're taking that away. So it's like, okay, this guy beat me. If I can get him in there, though, he's not scoring. That seems like almost dangerous to an extent. extent. You're, you're pushing a kid going full speed into your, into one of the most important players on the field, your goalie, you know, that I think that's the risky run here. Um, And that's, that's been the case, you know, they're giving, you know, the defensive penalty and the offensive penalty sometimes at the same time. So that, that's been a confusing part portion of the game, like I said. So, um, you know, again, it kind of takes away the the risk reward factor for the offensive player. So maybe you just don't get so many guys tiptoe in the crease. Um, But, you know, I I think uh, you're just, you're asking for trouble when you're rewarding the defense for taking a penalty. Um, in my opinion. Yeah, because it's going to be the smart play that for the defender, but it's just, it seems risky. It seems a little dangerous. I mean, I know they're trying to balance it out. If an offensive player hits the goalkeeper, it'll be a one-minute penalty. But as you kind of said, you know, we'll see what actually gets through. 
and at the end of the day, you know, they're, they're trying to make it better, but there's always going to be sometimes unintended consequences. And I guess if they're just continuing to strive to make that part of the game better and cleaner and easier for the refs and easier for both teams to understand the call, then at least they're making progress. Yeah, for sure. Um, and again, like th- these refs, especially at the college level in the game so fast, you know, depending on who's in their way and where they're looking from. And, you know, they're, they're looking to see if the kid, you know, if the offensive player steps in the crease beforehand, like, you know, like if he's inside rolling, did he step in the crease? Um, you know, and then he's looking to see if the defenseman putting his hands on the guy is on his back. And then, okay, well, now he gets in the crease. Did he hit the goalie? Uh, you know, there's so many things that happen in such, such a short amount of time for these refs to have to decide. Um, I guess maybe they think they're making it a little bit more black and white. Um, you know, where the ref just has to say, look, this is what, this is the end result of a play. This is how we officiate that, you know, instead of having to say, well, he got pushed. That's why he hit the goalie. You know, um, maybe, yeah. maybe that's their goal. I'm, I'm not 100%, but I, I think if we can get to a place where it's, it's black and white for these officials and they're, they're repping the end result more than they're repping kind of the, the three or four instances leading up to, you know, how a kid ends up in the crease, maybe that makes their life easier. Yeah, exactly. And the last proposed real change is defensive timeouts, right? So if you're on defense, maybe the offense shoots, misses a goal, they get back up, it's still their ball. You can call a timeout defensively. I don't, I haven't thought about this too much, but I mean, it seems like it could be good in theory. I'm wondering your thoughts as a college coach. Is that something you would like to see go through? Yeah, you know, I think, um, it's kind of like how we grew up, you know, you could, you know, that, that was, that used to be the rule, yeah. um, you know, and I, I never thought it slowed the game down. And I think that would be the one thing, right. Is you, um, you could say, you could argue that it, it might slow the game down. You take away an advantage that the offense is created by, you know, having a good possession. Um, but ultimately um, I, I think it, it benefits the defense you know, certainly a lot more than, than anything, For you know, sure. late in the game, you know, it's an exciting, you know, it's a, it's a tight game. You got a, you got one team trying to score a goal that's to maybe tie it up. And, um, defense gets compromised for whatever reason. You got a guy hurt on the field, what, you know, or, you know, the wrong guy stuck in on D, um, that changes the face of the game significantly. You know, uh, you're able to call a timeout, you survive one shot on goal and you call a timeout and you get, you know, you, the exact personnel you want on, maybe draw up a, a zone look. Um, that's, you know, it's all part of the game, but you know, I, I don't necessarily, um, I don't have any strong opinion on it. I think it, it just changes the way we have to prepare and, and be ready for situations to, to arise in a game. And, um, you know, late in the game, if you're up a goal uh, and you need one stop and you only, and you have a timeout, can't take it with you at the end and so you might as well use it um so having the ability to use it is uh you know certainly um you know a, a nice thing to, to have as a, as a college coach yeah yeah and as you said i think the biggest thing that can come of it is it or at least from maybe a negative standpoint is it could slow the game down you know especially towards the end of the game when it is getting excited exciting 
And, you know, they make the rule now, or they made the rule, this was a few years ago, where you can just pick that ball and bring it right back in, right? That quick turnaround after a shot. This will also slow that part down. And, you know, as a coach, you may want that security. You know, depending on, you know, obviously what side, if you have the ball on offense, you don't want the defense to be able to call a timeout. Vice versa, you're on defense. You would like to have that option. But it could slow the game down. You know, other than that, I, I exactly, you know, it used to be the rule. And as you kind of said, even with face-offs, it's something that you maybe as a coaching staff, just kind of, all right, what's the rule, right? We're, we're going to adapt our style and, you know, we'll go from there. Yeah, exactly. I think with, with stuff like that, you know, obviously it can, it can benefit both teams. Um, you know, you'd like it not to be uh, a, a timeout called against you when you're on offense or not called, you know, while you're on offense and putting some, what you think is good pressure on a defense and might have an advantage. So, you know, but uh, it could always benefit you, at, you know, uh, at, on the same, on the same token. So it's, um, it's something that I think uh, could affect the game, you know, once in a while, but I don't think it's going to be a huge change in my opinion. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Iron Horse Lacrosse the number one lacrosse program in Texas for travel teams, camps, and clinics. For more information on Iron Horse, visit their website at www.ironhorselax.com. So this summer, 2020, obviously things are different. You know, normally right now you would be tougher to get in touch with because you'd probably be lining up summer events, recruiting, um, but there's a dead period through the end of July potentially longer. How have you guys at Hartford has like coach Martin brought you in and said, Hey, you know, we need to get creative to at least help us transition into when these tournaments and these recruiting events will be back on and we're able to be on the sideline. What are those conversations sounding like with you and the Hartford staff? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, right now, the probably the most, unusual thing we've done or you know uh, you know not unusual i guess but the most uncommon thing for us is we've set up you know zoom calls with um 21s that we're still recruiting at this point um and just kind of meeting face to face you know some kids that we never were able to get on campus um you know so we're at least trying to get some face time with them instead of just you know uh being on the phone with them or, or texting with them you know the kind of normal communication so just trying to put a face to a name uh given uh, these, these kids a chance to kind of get to know our whole staff as opposed to maybe just the one coach that's been in, responsible for recruiting them. Um, I think that's kind of where, where we've been at with that. And then, you know, I, I just think when it comes to a situation like what we're in right now, you have to rely on your recruiting contacts, the people you know and trust that have eyes on these kids that know them better than anybody. Um, yeah, you know, to, to give you an informed decision, you know, an informed uh, look at, at, at who these kids are, and and if they think they'll be a fit for you. And you know, every coach is going to have you know good things to say about their kids, but you know, I think if you build enough trust with certain guys, they'll let you know um, if if ultimately they feel like you know the kids you're talking about are going to be uh, what you're looking for, and. You know, and you start uh, building some new relationships. Obviously, we've got more time. 
to be reaching out to coaches. Um, and, and I, you know, I've talked to more club coaches in the past, you know, three months uh, that I, that I never really had that many conversations with that I ever had. So I think you know, I've, it's been good in that sense where we've built some more recruiting ties uh, and, you know, obviously strengthen the ones that we we've I've always kind of relied on um, so I think that's kind of where we're at right now you know and a lot of recruiting always does go on over the phone uh, in the yeah. summer you're trying to track down uh, kids before you you know just go and sit on the sideline waiting for something to happen right? you try to you know give yourself the best chance to see what you're looking for um, so I think that's kind of where we're at yeah, and you mentioned you're doing Zoom calls with your current recruits. What is that? What do those sound like? Are those just kind of a, hey, what's going on? Here's the rest of the staff. Or, you know, if I'm a player listening right now and maybe there's, you know, whether it is Hartford or another school wants to set up a Zoom call, what should they kind of be prepared for? Yeah, uh, I think it depends on the depth at which you've been in touch with any any one of these coaches, right? So. Um, you know, having built some rapport with some kids, you know, you can have maybe a, a more casual conversation. Um, some, but if, you know, we're kind of early on in the process, maybe we're, you know, having, uh, maybe we're having, just giving them more info on the school, uh, answering any questions they have. Yeah. Uh, about you know how things go at Hartford, so I think it's a case by case thing, and that's the thing with with all recruiting is is it, no two processes look look alike um, for any one kid. So I think uh, you know we kind of just let the conversation go where it goes. We don't have any real set agenda. You know we're not looking to take up too much of their time, but you know just getting to know them and just getting a, a feel for how comfortable they are talking to you know a couple uh, older guys. Uh, you know, coaches, um, you know, I, I think it, it's a, just a different um, setting to kind of, you know, observe a kid and, and see how he handles himself. I think, you know, you maturity kind of shines through a little bit more uh, when you've got a couple other adults talking to you. I think we've been pretty good um, kind of determining that through this process. You know, we've been able to get a better feel for some kids' personality. Um, and I think that's, that's why we're trying to do that obviously because there's there's no recruiting on campus that that's a huge piece of it for us is you know getting a chance to see how you can interact with them while you're walking around campus while they're sitting in your office um you know i think that's where uh a lot of kids you know not struggle but they're not always the most comfortable so um you know a kid that can sit in front of a computer and have a great conversation, you know, be himself and, and look comfortable is, is certainly something we're looking for. For sure. And you talked about how you already have these relationships with high school and club coaches, but now you're relying on these relationships more than ever because you're unable to be out there recruiting. When you have these conversations, are you lining up maybe potential guys you want to look at? Or are you at a point where maybe you're watching film and saying, hey, we really like this guy. Let's start the dialogue, especially like a 21 where it's a little later in their process. Mm-hmm. Would, would you take, you know, are you guys maybe at the point where you may take a guy just based off film alone? Or are you still lining up to hopefully see them live? Uh, 
we are, like I said, everything, you know, everybody's case is a little different, but I think we're prepared to do that. Uh, it's certainly not something we've made, you know, common practice for us. But I think at this point, given where we're at in the, you know, in the summer, there's probably no shot we're going to see any live lacrosse. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'd be more comfortable taking a kid if I saw a full game film of his rather than a highlight kick. Um, you know, uh, of like ten or twelve different games that he that he's you know taking his best stuff from. So, um, you know that is the benefit. Obviously, is you you see a kid how he gets in the hole. You see how a kid you know does all the little things. Um, you know that obviously don't shine through in a a highlight tape. So, um, we're not opposed to it. I think you know if we get if we've got a good feeling from the kids in terms of our conversations with them from what the background work we've done with his coaches uh, and anybody else that might know him well, um, you know, and the other piece of that too, is they got to see the school. Uh, that's a huge piece for us. You know, yeah. they're, they're never going to be the, the right fit for us unless we, unless, you know, he's been to campus uh, because, you know, we're, we're just, you know, we're a little different like everybody else is, but, you know, we're, we're not a place where people have come and played a bunch of events at and, and like, oh, well, you know, Towson's really nice because I played, you know, four summer tournaments there over the last two years. And, you know, I could make a pretty good informed decision that I'd feel comfortable on that campus. You know, we, we don't really have that benefit. So, um, you know, we want to make sure that uh, they understand what they're getting into when they come to a place like Hartford, that, you know, the feel's different, like, like it is with so many other schools and um but yeah no I, we're, we're not opposed to it but there's just a lot of boxes outside of even you know how we feel about a kid skill and and athletics athletically wise yeah and for players who end up playing this summer you know if they do go to an event and it's just they get filmed from it maybe they're playing another good club team or whatever it is and they're putting, right, now all of a sudden they bought all this film, maybe they're putting together a highlight film, and they just have game film ready to go if a coach wants it. How do you recommend, you know, putting that film out there? Yeah. Um, I mean, YouTube's free, you know. Uh, I well, I mean more not an actual platform, but like, hey, okay. Coach Balkin, you know, here, just sending links to YouTube saying here's a – you know, here's my highlight film and maybe here's a couple full game films if you want to see those as well. Yeah, I, I would say potentially make a, make a highlight film, uh, you know, get, get people interested and say, and just make it very clear, like I have full game films from this summer if you would prefer to watch that. And just having that ready to go, if a coach says, yeah, you know, Luke, I really like your film. Your, your highlight looks good. I uh, like some of the stuff you're doing. Would love to watch a uh, couple full games if you've got them. And you know, that I can kind of take that at my leisure, you know? Yeah. And when you see that highlight film, you know, it seems like it might be obvious, but it's not that obvious. What do you want to see? And it probably depends on the position as well. But, uh, you know, let's say you're a midfielder. Like, what what do you want to see on a highlight film? Or what do you prefer to see? Yeah, so midfielders, uh, especially, like, playing both ends of the field, running through the midfield, um, I, you know, I, I don't know if I've ever seen it, but like I said before, uh, show me you getting back in the hole. How much does it matter to you 
helping your defense cover up. Um, you know, just a little bit of everything. I, I, you know, I think some kids fall in the trap of putting the same thing on their highlight over and over and over again. Um, and after a while, it becomes like, okay, I understand that you can sweep to your strong hand and shoot high to high. <laughs> um, but I would like to see something else because the the fact of the matter is you're going to have to do something else when you get to college. So, exactly. uh, you know, uh, I would love to see you picking up, picking up some ground balls. Um, you know, scoring goals is great and we need to do that. Um, obviously, uh, you know, if you are able to show us that you can do that, you don't need to show us that same goal six times. So, um, and, and again, you just want to kind of wet the, wet the coach's appetite a little bit to get them interested so that they'll come back and watch your game. And if, and if throughout the course of one game, you can score the same goal four different times, um, that, that speaks to your athletic ability. That speaks to, you know, you know, your dominance as a player. So I'll, I'll, I'll notice that, you know. So um, I think just show us what you can do, not just what you like doing, I guess, is, is probably the, the biggest thing. Yeah, it's like you almost want, you know, you want a well-balanced highlight film. And I've, I've seen players will send them to me and say, hey, coach, how does this look? And it's almost like you want to tell them, hey, if you want to make a highlight film filled with goals, you know, strong hand sweeps, nice looking shots, then do that, right? Put that one out on social media for all your friends and family to look at, but then make one that's going to be something a college coach wants to see, right? You know, right. I think guys are hesitant to put on them running in the hole because someone who doesn't know the game might be like, what the heck was that? Right. Right. Yeah. So it's like, make, you know, if you're really that worried about it, make two and use that one yeah. to send to coaches so they can get a better evaluation of you as a player. 100%. And, you know, I think the other thing is, too, is like if we don't know you can do it, uh, we will assume, like, it's more safe to assume that you, you just won't or can't do something, you know? So, yeah. uh, you know, if I only see right-handed shots and, and dodges to your right hand and you never go and you never go left in your highlight, it's going to be, you know, why would I think anything else that you could go left? Why do I think that you can shoot or that you will use your offhand? So um, it, it's just a great way to say, like, I'm comfortable doing all of this stuff. You know, these are my highlights for every piece of my game, not just the one that I think everybody wants to see is, is the goal, obviously. Exactly. All right, Corey, uh, we got a segment here called the Fast Five. I'm going to ask you five questions. And you just give me your quick initial answer and feel free to explain. Okay. Number one, if you could propose a fourth rule change to NCAA men's lacrosse, what would it be? Uh, I would reset the shot clock to 60 seconds on a reset. Okay. So not the full. Not the full. Yep, to 60. Nice. Number two. What is your favorite sports movie of all time? Um, gotta be either Slapshot or Miracle. I'm a hockey guy, so yeah, I go with hockey movie. <laughs> Miracle has been named a few times in this Fast Five. Yeah, great movie. <laughs> Number three, what has been your favorite quarantine activity? 
Uh, well, it would definitely have to be uh, spending time with my newborn son. That was uh, He was born a month ago, so okay. uh, we were spent the first half of quarantine waiting for him to get here, and then uh, obviously the last month has been uh, pretty special just to be uh, spending time with him and my wife. Yeah, that's awesome. Number four, give me one word to describe you as a coach. Uh, a couple words open. if you need to. <laughs> no, open. Uh, you know, I'm I'm willing to work with guys, and you know, I want to, um, you know, take their input, and I want to try to set them up uh, for success. You know, it, it's a it's a working relationship, so uh, I'm open to ideas. Um, I want guys to know that they can come to me with anything, not just the cross stuff. Nice. Last one, number five. Name one thing you wish that every high school player coming to play in college has already learned. How to throw the ball hard. <laughs> um, you know, Snap that's passes. Is... Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, that's something we do early in every fall is we set guys up for partner passing, you know, like 10, 15 yards apart. And uh, we're trying to teach kids how to throw frozen ropes, um, whether it's, you know, in the clear, on offense, especially sending the ball around the outside. Uh, if you can throw the ball hard, uh, you'll have a good chance that, uh, you know, setting yourself up for success, I, I feel. You know, if, if, you, uh, if you're trying to lollipop balls around the field, uh, it tells me you haven't spent enough time on your stick. Yeah. Going back to the fundamentals, which was a big part of our last podcast with Coach Gould at uh, Providence. But, yep, uh, I heard. I I 100% agree with Coach Gould about uh, you know step A being uh, you know taking care of the fundamentals before you can even get to college across. So I think uh, you know you won't find many coaches that don't don't feel the same way. Exactly. All right, Corey. Well, thanks for taking the time to go over these new rule changes. You know your take on this summer and moving forward. A lot of great info, and I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having me, Luke. It was Thanks for listening to Lacrosse Recruiting 101. Catch us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Have a question for Luke? Email them to questions at lacrosserecruiting101.com.